Welcome to Unscripted Startups. I'm your host, Cameron Stack, here in the beautiful Silicon Slopes, Utah. This podcast is the place to be to receive actionable insight and advice for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Landon Ainge. He is the Senior Vice President at Gab Wireless, and he has had a lot of cool experience, so I thought I'd bring him on the show and he can talk about his side from being involved in venture capital to actually going out and raising venture capital with Gab Wireless. Thanks, man, for coming on the show. Yeah, Appreciate being here. So tell me a little bit about your experience. Why business? That's a good question. For me, it wasn't business. I majored in statistics. I really like numbers, making sense between the two things. And business wasn't really my goal. My goal was sports. And then reality hit in that I needed kind of a different type of job. And I went and worked at Goldman and learned a lot there. And then my eyes were really opened in my second job when I started doing mergers and acquisitions. That's where I really got the excitement of entrepreneurship. I would drive down the street and saying, what does that business do? How does uh-huh. that business run? Like, how, how do they make money? How is that sustainable? Because I started doing the same thing, evaluating other businesses that would like to be acquired. That's like when I really caught the business bug. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. What in sports did you want to do? Oh, I wanted to work uh, for an NBA basketball team studying analytics. Oh, okay. uh, basketball is definitely in my blood, and it's definitely something that I still play, I still watch. used to even scout for some of the NBA teams. You definitely have to have a lot of drive to be in both. You have to be committed beyond all else to be involved in both industries and stay at the top. I, I learned a lot of key lessons from sports and mm-hmm. just like, being coachable, being competitive, and enjoying that competitive atmosphere. In sports, you actually learn to really love when you're in a game that's really close and you're not sure if you're gonna take the win or not. The same thing in business, right? You you like that competitiveness, you, you have to learn and improve. People only see a certain aspect of sports, what happens in games, but really what you do behind closed doors is what differentiates you in those moments. I think it has a lot of parallels with business. Now it's kind of like the people who think someone becomes an overnight success, but they don't see the 7, 9, 10, 15 years that they've been practicing or uploading videos or whatever they're doing. They don't see that. They just see them as like, oh, he's famous now. Yeah. That's super cool. So tell me a little bit about your experience at Goldman and Overstocks and then why you decided to come to the U and get an MBA. Yeah. That's a great question. So Goldman, but I learned really what is hyping of the country? What, how does money work and where does it go? And I, I learned it in big buckets because Goldman handles all yeah. where, the, where the big money goes. And then when I went and transitioned eventually to Overstock, I started learning they're a publicly traded company and there's the way they have to run report financials is a little bit different. And so I learned a lot about, okay, there's a lot of small transactions that happen every day. And so how those accumulate and how you reach your customers and you know, marketing is, is its own world and it's become its own technical uh, world that people try to piece together the right technical experience in marketing in addition to development. And so why I went to do my MBA at the U was really, I wanted to learn breadth. I had learned you know, basics of business and then I went, when I did mergers and acquisitions, I learned how businesses work when they're really established and they're, they make a lot of money when they're cash flowing. 
I realized that I didn't know much about other aspects of business. I needed to learn more about accounting. I needed to learn more about the legal aspects. I needed to learn more about management and managing a team because at that point I was just a personal, it was all about what I performed and that's all I cared about. But I knew long-term I wanted to learn and diversify those aspects. And I feel like an MBA is a really good for you to learn what you're not good at and just be a little bit better. Maybe not apply it, Luckily, when I did my MBA is when I transitioned uh, over to Overstock and I moved into a leadership role so where I was able to apply exactly everything I was learning because uh, I was managing the mobile platform at Overstock. That sounds like you really took advantage of your experience in the MBA program and really made the most of it. Yeah, I, I think it's always more important. Passive learning is one thing, but trial and error and application is something that you remember. It sticks with you. Yeah, for sure. You can learn so much more through your failures or even setbacks than you can through your success. I mean, we all love to win, but like you're not going to learn as much from winning. Yeah. But that's super interesting. So transitioning into your role at Kickstart Seed Fund, tell me a little about the venture fund and yeah. how they were a little bit different from the other ones here in the valley yeah so kickstart seed fund was they were the first seed fund here mm-hmm. that was active i was blessed to get an opportunity to go there coming from an operating role to an investment role i had been an investor before but um, i was blessed to take that opportunity and you know they differ themselves because they like to invest in a lot of companies and they're the most active in the state of utah and you know, my opportunity there was, again, it was just pure education for me, which I'm so grateful for because I just watched businesses and businesses come in, learned what business models worked, how they built their team, or when they started to grow, where maybe they ran into some walls and pitfalls that I could avoid. So it was really helpful that, you know, they have over 100 companies in their portfolio now, and I was in charge of tracking you know, each of those companies and knowing what was going on with them and having just that observation is like, I should have been paying for that education and them paying me. So I, I feel really blessed to have that. That sounds incredible. I saw that you were a board advisor slash yep. overseer of some of these yeah. companies. Tell me a little bit about how your experience with that and like, what were the companies? It's really a board advisor role, really as an investor you want to be able to have an understanding of what's going on in the companies you invest in. Most partners take a, a lot of board seats, active seats, yeah. but for more of the passive seats, I had the opportunity to observe a couple different companies, AdWallet being one of those. Um, they're trying to innovate the advertising market to say, you know what, a company pays Google to get your attention. Yeah. Why don't we cut out some a middle player and why don't we reach out directly to you and say, we're willing to give you money if you will watch this video. Yeah. Um, so that's what their model was. It was super interesting. Coming from a consumer product background, I, I found it very fascinating. It's all about the potential to scale, and I hope they do great things. They were, they were on track, and they're really progressing as they move forward to scale nationwide. So Yeah, that sounds super intriguing. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you met the founder of Gab Wireless. What interests you about <laughs> getting involved with this company? Was he like, hey, I'm looking for a co-founder, or was it like more of a long-term relationship? So it was unique, I'll say that. It actually came through a mutual introduction, and it was just a mutual introduction because 
I knew venture capital, and it was probably pretty clear that he needed to go down the route eventually. We were in a room, and there were a couple other people around us, and he started talking about his idea, and I started nodding along, mostly because, you know, I look 17, so I interact a lot with teenagers because of just getting involved in the community and stay close to, you know, kids. I think they, they generally need help and support. It's not just on the parents. It's about, as a community, we got to help raise the right type of kids and so because I was so close to kids I I knew this problem really well that you know technology is a great thing it's a great tool but when we introduce it too early it can have some pretty serious negative impacts and so I was in the room listening to Stephen talk about this like nodding along like yes I know also with my consumer product mind focus I'm like yes you can sell this this is good marketing you can do it as long as you get the right model and and he kept looking at me after. He's like, who are you? Because, yeah, like like I said earlier, he's like, you look so young, but, like, you know, you're nodding along. Everything you said is what, like, I kind of need to figure out. And I was like, well, I, I'm happy to help. I'm definitely not going to join your company, but I'll, I'll help you kind of talk through some things. And slowly started the relationship where one step led to another and started helping talk through the business, started helping build a pitch deck, started talking about crowdfunding. We did Indiegogo. Okay, how like, much did you raise? So we were went for a goal initially for 50000 um, We raised that in four days, and we ended up re- raising about 121000 That's incredible. Yeah, so that, that's kind of how we made it work, and our version of bootstrapping was to do that. We eventually just kind of kept that date going on forever until... We were like, let's work together. Let's get this. Let's get this going. We have different strengths. Steven's so focused on the product and making it exactly safe for exactly what parents and kids need. And I was so focused on like, well, this is how you got to get it in front of people, and this is where you get their attention and how to make that work. So it was a good tandem of what our mission is at Gab, right? We want to protect kids from you know early exposure to things that they shouldn't have um, exposure to. Uh, we want to connect families. But third is really, we want to encourage a life outside the screen. Yeah. Like, how do we help kids go live life and, and go explore, make mistakes, do these things that really are so pivotal in chi- child development? When we look at what, what works and what helps with children, it, it really is experiencing these things. And trial by error is what's doing it rather than watching other yeah. people do it go do it yourself let's maintain childhood just a little bit longer we're always going to be told no it's not okay to make mistakes in our life and as adults we kind of we kind of do that we try to avoid mistakes as a kid you want to encourage that as much as much as possible recently was reading and pablo picasso said every child is born an artist the challenge is trying to maintain that throughout their life and it's because they're told that they're not good enough to be an artist or they're concerned what other people will think of what they do and you know maintaining that life like it's okay to make mistakes and try new things and that's what drew me to gab wireless right like that mission you just you can't help but be passionate yeah yeah kids you can accomplish anything like totally agree with that i have been involved with social media and like that aspect but i've also experienced the side of like not having your technology and like we're at such a stage where everyone wants it right now we have like Ubers, we have Lyfts, we have DoorDash, we have one and two day shipping. 
But what's going to happen when you don't have your phone? Is your whole life going to fall apart? Do six and eight year olds really need an iPhone 8? It's definitely a lot of things to think about is how you balance it and keep it in check. And not everyone is going to want to buy your phone and not everyone's going to want to buy an iPhone. So it's just finding the right balance. But that that's a great story. And I, I love how you're like, no, I'm not going to like get on your company and then you just help them out and then you're like yeah. why not yeah i mean it's a funny story right with the beginnings you know we were meeting in Harmon's. part of this process was you know we had our second ch- child uh, my daughter abby and watching her come in this world it was uh definitely hard at the time to go join a startup at that time uh, but it was also kind of a little bit of a motivating factor to say, you know, these kids come in this world so amazing. Um, how do we help them just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to switch gears kay. and kind of talk about the more technical aspects of the company. So yeah. tell me a little bit about Gab Wireless in technical terms and mm-hmm. how does your industry work? Because yeah. I know, like you mentioned, one of these phones is a Samsung. Yep. So how do you get partnership agreements with these big companies to let you, yeah, like just go over <laughs> yeah. what you can talk yeah. about on record. That's, that's a great, great question. Uh, how you, Telecom is something that most people don't understand. Uh, just, right, we, we told people we were launching a phone because they didn't understand we were launching a network. Okay. And when we say, you know, we're the first ever cell phone network dedicated to kids and safety. And so with that, we're providing a wireless service, and on that service, we're providing age-appropriate devices, so devices that are more appropriate for kids. We're, we're not against technology. We're not against social media. And so we're just providing parents more options that they can choose because there's just not enough out there. And in a more technical term, our business model, we're, we're it's called an MVNO, a mobile virtual network operator. You've heard of other ones, so that may sound technical, but you've heard of other ones like Cricket, or straight talk, Definitely. Metro PCS. You know, these are these are people. There's even one called Great Call. They created a flip phone for old people with big buttons. I think yeah, I remember that one. Right. So that's our business model: is to be a network, and we go after a specific group of customers. Just like, and we have a re- relationship with one of the large carriers, and we utilize their towers. So we're able to provide nationwide service. We just offer, you know, a 4G. LTE coverage, whereas they're focused more towards 5G and, you know, super intense technology experiences. We're focused on more, you know, introductory experiences for kids. So we don't, you, we're not focused on 5G and we're not introducing, you know, AR and VR experiences the way those big technology telecom providers will be providing in the future. Yeah, they were definitely focused on more of a mainstream approach yeah. and get uh, the masses interested in yours is more of a niche market, yeah. but we're able to target that. And we're a nationwide uh, telecom service. But we did launch first in New- for our pilot launch. Most of that was because operationally it was lighter and it was a good, great test market for us to figure out all the things that we didn't know, like how customer service would work the right way and how to activate a phone and get it to customers in the right way and how to ship it and make sure the phone connected to the network in the right way. I'm really glad we tested (laughs) because we learned a lot and most every startup will say that. If we would have gone directly to a national launch, um, which we launched in late September, 
then we probably would have crashed, honestly. It, it was very helpful learning experience, and I'm glad that we were more methodical in that process of how do we fulfill these? Because we had orders from all over the country, and we said, what place should we launch first? And it was, yeah, Utah definitely makes the most sense uh, because of that family nature, because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of kids. It's a great market. The community is very connected. And, and you have those companies like the companies you mentioned, right? Outlet does a great job of protecting children from, honestly, what mother's biggest fears are, which is, what what if something happens while I'm sleeping, right? Like that's that's a big fear. So I, I agree totally with you. Utah is a fantastic market and we will grow. But I do, you know, we, we have way more customers outside of this state than we do inside this state. Um, that, that's intriguing. Yeah. Who tends to buy these things? Is it first time parents or people with a lot of children? It's mm, a great question. So a lot of different types of people that buy them. I'll go through like the main three the first is kind of a parent that gave their kid a smartphone too early and they're learning their lesson with their second child and so they're getting them a gab phone as a way to introduce it and that that's what i think is super helpful like you know our phones don't have app store they don't have browser there's no parental controls required so it's just an easy way for a parent to say okay here's a phone but i'm not worried about anything you do on it because it's safe and so that's kind of the first demographic that goes. And the second is, you know, honestly, there's a huge population of single parent households and divorced parents that they actually get their kids' phones a lot earlier because they need to communicate directly with their child, whether they're a divorced family that's separated and they need to communicate with their child when they're at their ex-husband's or ex-wife's place, or whether it's a single mother working and she wants her child to be able to walk home from school and... You know, we provide those solutions so that parents can feel comfortable with their kids without giving them a full-fledged supercomputer that we call a phone these days and entertainment aspects consume them. Yeah, I mean, if we look at how far we've came, the power in a basic iPhone is more powerful than the supercomputers they use to launch the space shuttle. It's amazing. Yeah. But also terrifying and like a no. Parents are trying to be cool. They want to help their kids, but they also want them to be safe. And it, it's almost impossible to keep up with every new app that's coming out that connects them to people that hopefully they know, um, sometimes people they don't. And uh, so, it, you know, in talking to parents, they just want to know, I just need help. And there's, there are not very many places that are there to offer it. And so that's what, that's where we're trying to be. So tell me a little bit about the competitive advantage. I know there are a lot of different companies out there, especially a lot of more new telephone companies and service providers on that are popping up. Do you have any competitors? And why would a huge telephone company want to work with a small company when they can just roll it out yeah it's a great question mint mobile is a great company i just want to say that first and foremost they're they've transformed the telecom industry well they've taken advantage of an industry that's really big and established but they took it from a different approach they went directly direct to consumer um, which is similar to our model and so we really look to mint and you know, they're someone that we try to emulate, honestly. There's lots of MVNOs, but they're going after that same customer. Most MVNOs go after, you know, you get the same service 
for the cheaper price. And that's what they do. And that's what most MVNOs go after. And then you've got the big four, which soon to be the big three. You know, you've got AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile and Sprint. T-Mobile and Sprint are about to merge here. So they're the three superpowers. Yeah. And, you know, why don't they do some of this stuff that these other people are doing is because they are, they're three companies that own the market. They're just trying to expand and move forward with the next generation of technology because they're kind of the only companies that can because they're big enough to do that. They're looking towards the future. Where is it going so that someone doesn't beat them? They like these MVNOs like Mint and Us and Cricket because they say, okay, you guys can use our towers. And, you know, they put billions of dollars into towers all over the country. And we're never going to do that. And they know that. And so they're happy with it. We become a marketing arm that they like that use their towers. And the ones they like, they really go after and generally try to buy them. Okay. So Cricket got bought. Metro PCS got bought. Those are, they really like these companies. And from a competitive landscape, people have tried to introduce kiddie phones. Um, but kids don't like kiddie phones. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like a phone that looks like a ladybug. Or they yeah, I was they, just right? about to mention that. They, they, don't, they don't like a phone that's like hot pink or bright blue, right? The reason they don't is because it makes them stick out. The same reason they're wearing fake Ray-Bans now, the same reason they want a phone that looks cool just like everyone else. And so, yeah, the, the competitive nature from that aspect is, yes, people have introduced other hardware. There's a bunch of apps that try to do it. In talking to parents, these apps just aren't filling the need because you're buying a really expensive phone and then trying to use an app to monitor kids or you try to set settings in the phone with customization to try and limit your kid but you know parents are still feeling that pressure when it's whether it's paying extra money and having to you know a part-time job of watching what your kid's doing on their phone or whether it's the parent is the one being the bad guy because they control the settings and if a kid knows that a parent has control to change something they're gonna go after the parent hey mom can i get this new app hey dad can I get this new app? It's just, it's just a, it's for school. It's for school. I need to be able to do research. And, you know, if it's a moving line, most parents know uh, that kid's going to try and push that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so parents are just coming to us saying, you know, this, this isn't meeting our needs. We need something. And so we're responding saying, we will give you more options. We have our first phone live and we're launching our second phone in November. And we're really excited to offer it because it provides kind of level two type phone. We've introduced our level one phone. That, that's amazing. I see you brought two of your phones. I would love you to walk through some of the features of them. I wish you guys could see it. Yeah, yeah, they're but. great. Um, they look fantastic, let me just tell you. <laughs> so first we've got our Gab Basic phone. Um, we sell this phone for $99. It's very affordable, which parents love. And, you know, we sell it online at gabwireless.com. And it's a month-to-month. There's no contract that people are tied into. So they buy the phone. They pay $19.99 a month, a very reasonable price, and it's unlimited talk and text for their kid. Introduce it when they want. Whether And when they're ready, maybe they level up to the next tier device that we have. Or um, maybe they hold this phone all the way until they're ready for their um, 
a full-fledged smartphone. Our second device, we actually haven't really released it yet, so I can't give away too many secrets, so I'll leave that one a little bit out there. But it, it'll be on a second-tier plan. It introduces kind of picture and group messages for kind of that older audience of teenagers, as, as well as uh, some features that parents have specifically asked us for. So we'll be announcing that pretty soon publicly. That, that sounds exciting. Yeah. I remember, like, the days when, like, kids thought like razor phones were cool and like how it's transformed and some of the players in like the pay per minute or you know like what was AT&T's it was like pay as you go Mm -hmm. or whatever it's interesting to see how those platforms have changed how can you offer such a good deal on cellular service because I mean I think most people would agree $19 even if it is limited service without data, is still a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's a really good deal. I think it really ties to the work we did up front to say what is our business model and how do we make this, how do we grow in a way that's sustainable? Because we all, we're always trying to balance two things. We're trying to be a company and make a profit and make a lot of money, but we're also trying to be a company that understands that every device we give out is to a child and that's one less kid that is being introduced to things too early and that's one child that we kind of is under our umbrella and so we've tried to balance both of that to say okay we we know that we have a big responsibility here for these kids that are on our platform but but part of that responsibility is also economical that we need to create this model that's sustainable so that this can not just be a fleeting solution but a long-term solution that parents can flock to. And so it's a balance between, yeah, parents, we need more parents to come. We need them to speak with their dollars to, to support this mission, to show it's a sustainable business. But also, we need, as a company, to be thoughtful at every decision we make is with these kids in mind first. That's kind of breaking it down. I can't give away every little secret, how we make it work. Yeah. But that's how we try to balance it. And that's one of those things is we're trying to help parents out. And that's why Stephen's so good at his role. He's he's the defender of mission, right? Like it's making sure that every device is 100% safe and it's going through every detail and rounds and rounds of testing and working with some of the most uh, sophisticated engineers and working with these manufacturers. And you asked me a really interesting question earlier of how, as such a small company, do you get in touch with these big manufacturers and big telecom companies? Well. I don't know. It's basically, Stephen is really good at that. And and part of it is, you know, he's put a, f- a flag up at the top of a hill and said, this is our mission and we want to change the way this world sees it. And there's been great companies. ZTE is one foremost that's been really supportive and has come to that call to say, you know, we really want to help. We want to help kids. And without them, we wouldn't have been able to do this because they've afforded us certain things that no early stage company should have been afforded. And so no, we really appreciate those partners of ours. Um, Ready Wireless is another one. They help us the back end operations and creation. And those partners really are part of our team and we've leaned on their expertise and we've kind of put forward the mission and they've come to call and we're working together to make this work. So it's a lot of brand relations, building and nurturing these connections. Yeah. It's really that I think this mission is just greater than 
Stephen or I, and we just are so focused making sure that we're picking the right people that have that mission in mind, um, whether that's people or whether that's companies that want to join along with us, manufacturers, and we invite more to come. It's come join the ranks and let's show the world that it's not just about like more. Less is a good thing at times. Less is more in a lot of cases. Yeah. So how do you balance the act between getting people excited about it but also not getting people who maybe want to like take advantage of your service or like say copy you. Yeah. you know, I'm sure a lot of these technology companies, if they really wanted to, they probably could copy you. How do you balance that in a business world? Because yours is pretty much based on your systems in place and mm-hmm. stuff. So that, that's a delicate thing to work with when you have all these companies and stuff like that. Yeah, consumer products world, there are usually 10 different products that are all very similar. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really finding you know, a, a way to connect with your customers and finding that way. We are the first of our kind. We're the first ever cell phone network for kids. So that's unique. Devices, our devices are unique in what we offer. Um, and we're going to be the first and we're going to move quickly and we're going to try and connect with parents in a way that you know normal companies don't really connect with them they they really are the the carriers of this mission we there are so many people behind and ahead of us that are either clearing our path or you know joining the ranks to come push it and so i've talked about basketball up front and you know that enjoying that competition it's also just enjoying that process of the comp you you have to enjoy when someone I, I really like defense and basketball and you know I love it when someone's really good at offense and I have to guard them and you know and they make a shot in my face and I'm like oh good shot right like I I, I uh, my goals were to try to make it but I want those people to do that we really care a lot about this solution and we want this solution to be perpetuated and we want gab wireless to be amazingly big because then that means that we've solved that solution but we also want other people to come to the party we don't want to be the only one focused on cell phone safety for kids right so we really encourage all of these companies that are already there to keep doing what they're doing and we encourage companies that are interested in it to come talk to us and this is this is more than just gab wireless this is the next generation. I love the outlook, and I don't think most companies, especially bigger tech companies, I don't think are over eager for people to come up and start, you know, stealing their lunch. Yeah. But yeah, that's super interesting, and it comes at a time where everyone's worried about like the big IPOs, and is it w- even worth starting a business if Facebook can just crush you in a year? And like all these topics that have been floating around, like WeWork. And stuff that has been happening there is if any company is and can fail. Yeah. And like that when we get to a point that like companies like can do no wrong, yeah. then that's a point that we really need to reconsider what we're doing and stuff like yeah. that. I know there's a lot of different things that have been happening and I've been thinking about it a lot and definitely an yeah. interesting topic that's that's one of the things that i find most helpful from my venture capital experience is really digging through it's like okay how do i differentiate our company and how do we how do we think about that and also you know you really have to think about 
what's our goals, what are our company goals, and you need to understand that roadmap of where you're trying to get to. I think that oftentimes um, early stage founders think, oh, well, a venture capitalist will help me figure out my goals. Well, no, that shouldn't be the answer. The answer should you should have your goal, and you're asking for resources, which in this case, often with venture capital, it's either knowledge or money or both to help you accomplish that goal. And you already know most of the time what you're doing. A lot of the times you pivot, you change, you're, you have to adjust strategy with what the market does, but you should know what you're trying to accomplish a lot of times. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. There, there's a lot of skepticism on a lot of business once they get certain sizes. That's why I think going back to mergers and acquisitions, I think acquisitions are a huge piece of helping big companies maintain their position. But it's also a great opportunity for small companies, for startups to build their own expertise and be acquired. And if it's the right acquisition, then they will put more resources behind it to make that company even bigger than it ever could have been on its own. And so I, I really like that cycle of, you know, I go forward and big money and Goldman mergers and acquisitions, you know, consumer products, and then to venture capital. I just view Gab Wireless as the exact opposite in reverse order, right? It's like build the company, raise capital, merger and acquisition, probably a sale. You have a, a tasting plate of all the different positions and opportunities you can have in business. So I feel like you have a lot of insight on not just one area of the business aspect, but like a good amount to get involved with business. And stuff yeah, and like it, that. It's, been, it's been hard. Uh, changing industry, and I've changed a couple times because I've wanted, there's an area that I didn't understand and I realized I wasn't going to learn it, so I needed to go somewhere else to learn and experience that. And, but that's my role at Gap, right? My goal is to make sure that they all piece together and work together in, in a way that, you know, marketing is not different than operations. They're very much aligned, but in many organizations, they don't talk to each other. And so, you know, that's how we get it to work. So I have a few final lightning questions for you before we conclude this awesome interview. First of all, what is one of your unpopular thoughts or opinions about the startup culture and entrepreneurship in general? That's a good question. What are my unpopular thoughts about startups? I think it's too hard for many entrepreneurs to get into the venture capital doors. I wish there was a greater relationship with venture capitalists and startups at an early stage to provide maybe a little more coaching so that they, more companies could be created and not make the pitfall mistakes that m most entrepreneurs make. A lot of entrepreneurs aren't even getting in the door and they've made mistakes because they can't get in those doors. So I think, I think venture capitalists, I wish they would do a greater job of mentoring and helping earlier stage entrepreneurs but I understand why they don't. Yeah. Like yeah. Their business model is not to coach. Their business model is to transact. And therefore, it has to be somewhat more transactional. And a lot of them don't make it past the early stage. So, yep. so it's yeah, you're talking about one out of 10, and they're taking you know, three out of 800, right? Yeah. And so. Another question is should every company seek venture funding? Most probably shouldn't. And. I think it sounds really appealing, and it's a newsworthy story, but there's the concept of a lifestyle business where you just build a business and 
you work in it, you started it, and it's a great lifestyle because you're running the business you love and it supports you and your family. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's pretty ideal when you look at it. Be really thoughtful about what I talked about before. What are my goals? And your goals may be, you know, I just want to build a company and have 10 employees that I can help them bring money home every month. And I want to build this my small piece of helping this economic world of the United States, which is awesome. Uh, there's, there's, that's most businesses, right? So most don't need venture capital. Some may need some funding, like either from family or friends or angels. It's healthy to go through to say, do I really need this money? What could I do if I didn't have money? Or what would I do if I didn't have that money? That's a good process to go through as an entrepreneur. I definitely think it's sad to see when companies, that's their whole focus is raising venture capital. Yes, if you're a technology company, you you need more money up front, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be your only thing and your business shouldn't be an utter failure if you can't raise capital. Most definitely. What is the most common mistake you see with people seeking venture capital funding? I would say not knowing what you're asking, not knowing how much money you're asking for, not knowing what you're going to use that money for, not knowing what timeline you're trying to use it for, all, all that aspects of having a clear plan, like a venture capitalist not making a plan for you. It's coming to them with your plan, and you want them to say, here's my vision, here's my roadmap, this is how I'm going to do it. I even have the people, or maybe I'm going to go get the people that are going to help me execute it, and this is who I need. I, I think that's the biggest mistake, is looking for the answer when the answer you should be providing. Yeah, most definitely. You can't ask someone to solve your own problems mm-hmm. because in the end of the day, it's your company, so you need to decide what's the right move for you. Did you receive any advice like to share? An early mentor I had who, he talked a lot about form versus function. Form is, you know, what people see and how you present yourself, and function is about what you do and how you get things done and how you work with others. Balancing those two. My life, I've been out of balance one direction and the other direction at different times. So helping myself understand that it's important to both balance who you're perceived as. It's also important to make sure that you are the person that does the things that you want to be perceived as and balancing those two, that form versus your function. Each of us is usually out of balance, and so we have to look to the other side to say, okay, am I a little too much a pretender, (laughs) like the form function, or am I a little too much of just put my head down and do the work that I forget that it's important to, you know, meet other people, learn from other people. It's important to network. You know, that's how Stephen and I met was through a network that I built and someone that connected us. He had no reason to connect us except for, hey, you should meet Landon. And I'm so grateful, Jeff, and providing that introduction. That's incredible. Yeah, you can't just have one set of skills. You can't just be the programmer if you want to build something, you need to learn how to share that story and share what you guys are creating because if no one sees it at the end of the day, it's just another app on the app store. Yeah, that, yeah. I it's love that. Same thing with product and marketing, right? You can't, can't mar- over-market. That's like the form aspect yeah. if your product's not good enough. And focus so much on the product if you don't have marketing. And that form versus function has been really helpful for self-evaluation 
at very different times. Yeah, it's kind of like that triangle. The college version of it is you can either have sleep and good grades, or you can have good grades and friends, or you can have sleep and friends, but you can't have all three. (laughs) And it goes for the same in life, whereas like you can travel, but you're not going to have the resources, but you will be healthy. Or you can be older, and you'll have the resources to travel, but you may not be as healthy. And so, like, it's definitely a balancing act, for sure. That, that's something that I'm seeking to apply right now um, when I look at what I'm trying to do and this process of, you know, I have to be the person that I need to be in order to help Gab get to where Gab's going to need to get. Definitely, and I look forward to seeing the company grow over the next couple of years. Any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Thank you, and uh, please share this this cause. It's very meaningful to me and to Stephen and to parents, and so we, we really appreciate all your help. Perfectly put. Thanks, guys, for listening. I hope you guys are having an incredible week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and start downloading each and every episode of our podcast. It only takes than 30 seconds and it means the absolute world to us. Don't forget to live life 1% better each and every day. Until next time, this has been a Unscripted Startups production. Don't forget to check us out online at unscriptedstartups.com or on your favorite social media platform at Unscripted Startups.